This is the day that the Lord has made. It is great to see you all this morning. At this time, I'd like to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of celebration, 192. There's a spirit in the air. from afar to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star this is my quest to follow that star no matter how hopeless no matter how far Fight for the right without question or pause. 
to be willing to march into hell for heavenly cause. And I know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest, that my heart will lie peaceful and calm as I'm laid to my rest. And the world will be better for this that one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable storm. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. And for that, we say together, we give you thanks, O Lord, and amen. As we continue with an attitude and a heart for prayer, may we join in our prayer hymn, 171. There's just something about that name. Gracious God, we give you thanks for there is truly something special about your name. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for the joys that we share, the opportunity to come into your presence as a community, to worship before you. We give you thanks and praise for the abundant blessings that you bring into our lives, whether we acknowledge or recognize them or not, that you continue to give. We thank you for the gift of birthdays and celebrations and anniversaries, for births and additions, for family and friends, for new opportunities in each new day. And God, as we give our thanks and our praise for the celebrations that we lift up, you know the burdens that we bear, the prayers that we offer, 
for healing, for peace, for guidance. God, we lift up those who are affected by the flooding in Louisiana, those who are impacted by explosions, by war, by hunger, by depression and despair, by so many things that weigh upon our lives. God, we pray for the state of affairs of this world and the affairs of state. We ask your guidance and your wisdom in our own personal lives. Glorious Lord, as we come to you in prayer this day, may we take but a moment of silence, not to speak, but to be still, not to share, but to listen, to feel your spirit move, to know that you are in this place, that we come into your presence rejoicing even in sadness. May we come to you now. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise that we can turn to you in prayer, that you call us to pray without ceasing, to give to you, offer to you our prayers and supplications, our prayers and petitions. May we truly seek you in all times to enjoy fellowship with you, communion in the Spirit. And as we lift up these, our prayers, may we too pray together the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, taught, that we too may pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. come forward as we offer our gifts, tithes, and offerings.
as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May we be faithful to use them for your ministry. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 6, 26 through 32, and Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, and 13 through 15. First from Matthew. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. 
Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4 and 13 through 15. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for the reading of your word that continues to touch lives and hearts, that we have ears to hear and openness to receive, that our lives too will be transformed. Thank you for the gift of this morning to join together in your presence to share and to hear. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, today we begin our, or we continue our series on religion versus relationship. And we're on uh, Sermon 7. So I want to again draw your attention to the wall as we watch the video that we've shown with each, uh, with each sermon. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. Now, 
Now, I know some of you might be wondering why I'm carrying a bag today. <laughs> uh, at the 8 o'clock service, they called it a man purse. The, uh, you know, I'm wearing, I love the shirt, that's why I'm wearing it, but I was joking around saying after Gary's been gone, I'm ready for a vacation. But that's not actually why I'm wearing it today. Yeah. On the surface, we know that we all have baggage we carry with us. And we get it from a million different places. Whether it's things that we have done or we carry baggage from the things that have been done to us or against us. Scars, memories, hurts, fears, insecurities, whatever the case might be, we all have something. And some might be visible, or the effects of it might be invisible. But most of us, most of the stuff that we carry, we still try to hide away. We try to keep it out of sight, hidden from the rest of the world to see. Even those closest to us, those with whom we're most intimate, we try to keep certain things away because no one needs to know our past. No one needs to know the things that we've done or the things that we hold. After all, they might think differently of us. If they only knew what we had done, they might, they might think that we're not perfect or that we're not who we claim to be. So for fun, I thought I would show you some of the things that I have in my bag this morning. If I can open it. I brought a Reese's peanut butter cup. In case you get hungry. You know, in sixth grade, I was, I was at lunch sitting with a bunch of friends, and I asked my friend Soren Seal if I could borrow 50 cents to buy a candy bar, and I bought a Reese's peanut butter cup. I'm 42 now, I've yet to pay him back his 50 cents for his candy bar. If anyone ever is in Rhode Island to meet Soren Seal, you can tell him I have his candy bar. I brought a baseball card. This isn't the one, but I brought a baseball card. When I was about 12, maybe 14, I was at my cousin's house. And my cousin had a baseball card that I wanted. So I decided no one was looking, no one was around. I can take it and no one would ever know. And I put the baseball card in my pocket. I haven't talked to my cousin in <laughs> ages. I think I'm avoiding him like the plague. But I haven't seen my cousin in forever. And I still have that card. I brought. Oh, I lost it. Woohoo! That's a good thing. Um, I had brought a ticket. Well, it wasn't a real ticket, but it was a piece of paper to remind me of a ticket. Ooh, I lost it. Yes. <laughs> Pretend there's... <laughs> but I had a ticket on me because I've been pulled over, I hate to admit, some 20 times, probably 30 times now, in 13 different states. I've been pulled over for doing 59 in a 55. I've been pulled over for speeding. I've been pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt. I've been pulled over for having a light out on my, on my license plate. I've been pulled over for having brake lights out. I've been pulled over for looking like I needed directions. I've been pulled over. That, that was actually Washington State, pulled over for needing directions. I've been pulled over for everything. First time ever on a sailboat in Boston Harbor, I got pulled over by the Coast Guard to ask if I had life vests. <laughs> so if none of you, if any of you have never been pulled over, I've got you covered. I've been pulled over plenty of times. I brought a ball. 
how many times in our lives do we juggle? You know, we try to do everything and we keep the balls up in the air. And I look at the ball and I remember all the times I've dropped it. All of the times that I've let people down, hurt people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Found my ticket. <laughs> I brought a mirror. You know, Julie asked me to clean it before I brought it. Sorry, sweetheart. But I, you know, actually I thought it was perfect to have a dirty mirror. You know, because when I look at it, I wonder, am I the man that God desires me to be? Do I see the man that God created me to be? Or do I see something different? Do I see someone different? You know, as I take those things out, <laughs> this bag gets really a lot lighter. Even a little bag like that can get heavy after 45 minutes and all morning of wearing it. It's nice to get those things off my chest. If only a candy bar and a baseball card were really the things that we carried with us in our lives. You know, with these items, it's easy to get them off of our back, right? To, to lay them at the altar. But what happens when that baggage gets bigger? What happens when it gets heavier? You see, baggage comes in all shapes and sizes. For some, there are crosses that we bear. For others, it's those skeletons that we hide in our closet that we, we try to keep away from the rest of the world. Those things that we know about from the past or about our present that we don't want to let anyone else know about exist for fear of how they're going to respond, how they're going to view us, how, how they're going to, to re react if they only knew what we had done. Wouldn't it be great if it were really that easy to just put things, those weight on our shoulders or those things that hang around our neck like a weight, to just put them down and let them go and be done with it? Unfortunately, so many people in life go through life with their past or their present situations weighing them down, worrying about how they'll be perceived and wondering if God could really forgive them for what they've done if God could really love them and accept them if God knew their past. And they, they have come to believe that God would love them less, if at all, because of their past. Or maybe they've come to believe that God would reject them, that God's forgiveness wasn't good enough because they weren't good enough. And as a result, they try to hide these things from God and handle it on their own just to ignore it hoping eventually it goes away. But if any of you have ever tried to ignore it, you know our past does not just go away. The hurts and the scars and those things don't just disappear. And maybe when I speak of they, it's actually a we or an I that you could speak of. Over the years, I've learned when it comes to our baggage and going to church, there seems to to be three things that people often do. When we look at our past, when we look at the stuff that we've done, 
just kind of through responses. And, and I, I'm not really sure why this is, but especially in recent weeks, I've heard more and more people share, you know, well, we, we pulled into the driveway, we pulled into the parking lot, we stopped our car, but that's as far as we could make it. We couldn't get out of the car and come inside. Or second, people will come to church and they'll leave their baggage at the door and they'll come in and put on a happy face and, you know, be fully participatory in worship and be present only to walk back out the door and pick up those bags again and throw them upon their shoulders and go about the rest of the week weighed down. And third, people will bring their bags with them into church and you'll sit in a pew inwardly struggling. Do I give it to God? Do I handle it on my own? Do I give it to God? Do I handle it on my own? It reminds me of a story that I heard years and years and years ago. A little boy goes up to his father and he says to his dad, 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 my toy is broken. Please fix it. And so the father says, absolutely. And before the dad has a chance to take the toy, the boy curls over and tries to tinker with it and tries to fix it to no avail. And he yells out, Daddy, Daddy, fix my toy, fix my toy. And as the daddy comes to fix it, again, the boy huddles over and tries to fix it on his own to no avail. The third time, the boy yells out and says, Daddy, I've asked you over and over and over again to fix it, but I haven't seen your hand move. I haven't seen you do anything. To which the father calmly responds, My son, you never let it go. I never had a chance to fix it. You know, how many times can we relate to that boy? How many times in our lives have we had similar situations? Well, I want to tell you that there is nothing that you have done, that there is nothing that you were doing, and there is nothing that you will do that will ever be too big for God's grace to fix. There is nothing that God can't forgive. Amen. You know, you can give every excuse under the sun as to why God can't or shouldn't love you. And if you don't have excuses, I'll give you a million. You can give every reason imaginable as to why the things you've done are too shameful to admit, especially to those with whom we're closest. My, one of my favorite passages, Proverbs 17, says a friend loves at all times, but the brother is born for adversity. You know, but even when there's that close intimacy, there's still a fear to let it go. Yes, we have all done things for which we are not proud. Yes, we have all sinned and paid the consequences. Yes, we have all had our scars, our hurts, our broken dreams, whatever it might be. But no, no, it's not too late for God to do something. It's not too late to lay those things at God's feet. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Or maybe, just maybe, you need to accept the forgiveness that was always there. You know, I love this video, especially this part. 
the words in it where the, the person says, if you knew me and what I have done, you wouldn't want me. Perhaps maybe you've spoken them or thought them. And those things that are done don't always have to be huge to weigh on us. You see, as I said, packages don't come in a cookie-cutter shape. <laughs> One size does, doesn't fit all. I've shared in the past the story of a friend in college, and I'll never forget a conversation that we had. Sitting in my dorm room, she said, Brian, I have done two things that are unforgivable by God. And so, of course, being human, you're Rolodexing, trying to figure out, you know, what are those unforgivable things? What could have been so bad that God would never forgive this person? And she said, I had an abortion, and I cheated on a test. Now, the human side of me says, how are those two even related? But then, how are those two even unforgivable? You know, it was within herself. She couldn't understand that God would forgive her. And then in the video, we hear the words, if you knew me and what I have done, you wouldn't be worried. And I think those words are very true, but they don't necessarily bring peace. Because sometimes when we carry burdens, sometimes when we struggle, it becomes about a competition. But we know life isn't a competition. Now, we might try and compare, well, if you knew what I was going through, and you know, it's, it's not as bad as what they're going through, or if they knew what I had done, well, it doesn't really you know, stand up against what so-and-so has done. Or you've only had, well, what about mine? And we make it a competition, and it's not a competition. Let's be honest. When we're carrying something for so long without letting it go, even a little man purse, whatever it's called, to carry on, Something as small as that, if you hold it long enough, is going to get heavy. It's going to get bigger the longer we hold on to it. Kind of as an aside, you know, it's, uh, there's an illustration. A person stands, uh, you know, holding a glass of water. And you know that old question, you know, I made the joke about it the other week, but the question, is it half full or is it half empty? You know, the joke was engineer says the container's too big. But reality is if you hold your hand like this, if you hold water, a cup of water in your hand, and you hold it long enough, what's going to happen? It's not, well, it will evaporate eventually, but it gets heavy. Your arms start to get tired. <laughs> you have to hold a real long time for the whole glass to evaporate. If you hold it long enough, your arm is going to get tired. It doesn't matter if it's half full or half empty. It's heavy. And those words don't necessarily change the fact that rejection is real. And the effects and the fear of being rejected by God and others is great, probably greater than we ever want to admit. By nature, I don't think people like rejection. The fear of rejection can even be debilitating for some people to the point that they refuse, aren't able to, or unknowingly aren't capable of building deep relationships. Because what if? But this morning, I want you to know if there is anyone here who is hurting or afraid, or angry, or confused, or crushed under the weight of, of you know, self-guilt, or experiencing low self-image, or whatever it is, that God loves you. God desires you. Scripture tells us that God created you in His image. Amen. You see, I believe that God will run 
with reckless abandon. With arms wide open to let you know that he loves you. Amen. You know, I was raised in the church as a pastor's kid. And there's always that joke, the pastor's kid, you got the perfect saint or the perfect sinner. You know? As a, as a pastor's kid in Rhode Island, Christina, perfect saint. <laughs> Be yourself. As a pastor's kid in Rhode Island, and my dad owning a, a successful business, I realized I, can't go any, I couldn't go anywhere in Rhode Island without people knowing me, whether I knew them or not. And I'd always get phone calls. Thankfully, I was the youngest of four, so my siblings broke all the rules, so I was the perfect child. <laughs> but as a pastor's kid, I never realized it. It wasn't until I became a pastor that I have come to learn and I am constantly reminded that church is where real life intersects with God's grace. Church is where real life intersects with God's grace. You know, church is filled with real people carrying real hurts. Church is filled with people with deep scars. Church is filled with real people worried about real life problems. Church is filled with people like you and me who don't always have our acts together. And that's okay. And I think that's what makes church extra special. You know, not that we have it all together. You see, Scripture reminds us where two or more are gathered that God is there in their midst. And you know what? If you read the rest of that passage, it goes on to talk about forgiveness and how we are to forgive and how often we are to forgive. Well, my friends, I can tell you by looking at, it, at each one of you, God is here. You know why? Because there's more than two of us here. Amen. And we know that God is present. And we know that when God is present, great things can happen. God can do miraculous things. God can do great, unbelievable things. It says, you know, if I care for the sparrows, how much more will I care for you? How much more my own handiwork, those created in my image, will I love and care for? Romans 8 tells us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Psalm 139 reminds us how intimately God cares. I knew you in your mother's womb. Before a thought is uttered, I know it. And we honestly think we can hide from God? You know, well, maybe God won't see this thing. Maybe God won't understand. The God of all creation understands. You know, Matthew reminds us that those things that we hide will not be hidden forever. See, we hide things because we're afraid of what people think. But Matthew tells us, don't be afraid of people. Experience God. In God's presence, in God's grace, because those things that are hidden will be revealed, they'll be shown. And I'll tell you, when you start to allow those things to be revealed, at least before God, that burden is awesome when it's lifted. You know, even a little bag hurts my back. I can't imagine if I continue to bear the burdens that I bear without God. You know, people try to avoid God because of what we've done. We've got the laundry list, we've got the checklist. God, you don't get it. And we try to run away from God, but the things that cause us to run from God are the exact same things that causes God to run after you. 
And those things that we've done that say, God, you don't get it. God says, I do. And I love you. And God says, come on, I'm here. Because let's be honest. None of us are, none of us are great. We're, we're all imperfect, right? But we know God's grace is not imperfect. God's grace is perfect. Amen. There's a beautiful worship song. And it's entitled, or the title of it is Mended by Matthew West. I was going to play it for you, but I want to just read to you the lyrics. His song was inspired by a quote by Eugene Gladstone. It says, man is born broken. He lives by mending, and that grace of God is the glue. And Matthew West explained it well when he said, when you hear this song, be reminded that while you and I may have been born broken, God won't let us stay there. Healing is real. We can go from wounded to mended if we take the hand of our healer. The song starts out, how many times can one heart break? It was never supposed to be this way. Look in the mirror, but you find someone you never thought you'd be. But I can still recognize the one. The one that I love in your tear-stained eyes. When you see broken beyond repair, I see healing beyond belief. When you see too far gone, I see one step away from home. When you see nothing but damaged goods, I see something good in the making. I'm not finished yet. When you see wounded, I see mended. You see your worst mistake, but I see the price I paid. There's nothing you could ever do to lose what grace has won. So hold on, it's not the end. No, this is where love, love's work begins. I'm making all things new, and I will make a miracle in you. When you see broken, I see mended. You know, every Sunday, we say this is the day that the Lord has made. And let us rejoice and be glad in it. I have no idea where each and every one of you might be. Hurts that you bring, burdens that you carry. But my prayer, my hope is you won't make excuses. You have an opportunity to give it all to God. And let God take care of it for you. I always say your shoulders will never be big enough. But they don't have to be. Because God's arms are greater. There is nothing that you can do or have ever done too great for God's grace. So this morning, I want to ask you, if you're carrying a burden that you're tired of carrying, if there's something weighing upon your heart that you're sick of holding on to, if you want an opportunity to pray and just give it to God, I want to invite you this morning to come and do it. I've asked Jan if she would assist me that we could be up front to offer prayers. There's no pressure. It's an opportunity. If you want to come and pray, Jen and I would love to pray for you. Jen, I'll be right here. And I'll come. We'll never ask you what you want prayers for. We'll never ask you what's going on. God knows your hearts. It's an opportunity for you to come and share. If anyone would like to come forward. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks. We give you praise that we can join together in fellowship, to join together in community, 
to bear one another's burdens, to share one another's joys, to rejoice, for this is the day that you have made. Wherever we might be, God, we ask you to meet us here, knowing that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, but continue to call us onward, to trust in you with every step in faith. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and join together in our hymn of dedication. May we sing with loud voice, with joy and praise. 133, leaning on the everlasting arms. today, continuing to hold fast to the hands that hold yours, never letting them go, to go forth in relationship and share the love of Christ, to be a light to this world, to know that you will never walk alone. Go now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to love and to serve and to be the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.